Welcome back to the Wonderful Walks in Golf podcast, where we walk you through the industry's untold stories, brand reviews, history lessons, and swing lessons from industry legends to those fresh on the scene. We'll carry you through the world of golf, so you grab your bag, strap up, and enjoy the walk. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Wonderful Walks in Golf. We are back from the Cali Swing, Dante, and on the East Coast, we're we're fighting through a little bit of February cold weather. We've had some bright spots, but we're bringing the warm weather on the show today with Berman Golf and Jake Berman. Uh, we are going to dive into how to gain distance, how to shoot more consistent golf, and how to play more frequently. Jake is a absolute stud when it comes to helping folks get the physical side of the game right and get your body in check to play better golf and to play more frequent golf. So Jake, without further ado, thank you for joining the show and, and thanks for uh, hopping on with us. <laughs> that was a great intro. I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we love, uh, we love having the physical side of the game on the show. And I think we both were texting beforehand. We were like, man, we're excited to get into this one because it's right up our wheelhouse. We've been texting back and forth of like, Oh, I'm doing this in the gym and oh, I'm doing that in the gym, but is it working? Right. I think that's the age old question is like, what is what I'm doing working? And I'm excited to dive into that with you. I love that. Absolutely love it. And that's essentially how I got to where I'm at today. And ultimately the development of the Berman method was that right there was people are not able to translate what they're hearing or seeing on YouTube or the golf coaches are telling them into actual results because there's this whole interpretation phase that has to occur. Your coach is telling you to do something. The YouTube, the false golf prophet on YouTube is trying to <laughs> tell you to do something and you have to interpret that and then reproduce it exactly the way that they meant for it to occur or it's not going to be effective in as you know, as most golfers know, it leads to frustration because it just doesn't work. I think uh, Dante and I have also had that conversation all the time. The YouTube false prophets of, man, I, I heard this tip from so-and-so today and I won't put any YouTubers on the spot, but you know, the, I heard this tip and I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to implement it. And I think that's been, that's at, been an ongoing conversation with us. That too. And as great as YouTube is and can be, if you know you can't really get yourself present in front of a golf coach or fitness coach or whatever is i'm trying to implement and change one thing but i'm watching 50 videos on how to change that thing but it's 50 different ways and you just get lost in some deep rabbit hole and then you're just you just put everything down and walk away it and that's not what where where we want to be i've done that exactly I've done that <laughs> Speak to us a little more on that, right? Like the Berman method, what brought you to the understanding of what you've realized now? And, and how, how did you start implementing that, um, that method onto not only yourself, right? But then, then you started coaching people and, and it started having a, a positive effect on others. And how did that all come to be? Oh, man. So this will probably, probably be the longest I talk without you guys talking back. So <laughs> as as quickly as possible, I'm, I'm a physical therapist by trade. So I went to PT school, graduated, worked in the panhandle for a while, worked in Jacksonville for a while, then ultimately came back to Naples to open up my own practice and unintentionally started specializing and working with golfers with back pain. And I say that kind of tongue in cheek, because who would have thought that there was going to be an abundance of golfers with back pain in Naples? <laughs> 
So if you know Naples, Naples is one of the top retiree places in the country. People retire, come down here and play golf. And we have some type of crazy stat where there's over a hundred golf courses in Naples alone. That doesn't even include the surrounding areas. So that's not even including Fort Myers, which is only 45 minutes up the road. So, so golf is huge here. And ultimately what happened was as I was helping my patients with back pain, get back onto the golf course, they started telling me I'm hitting the ball better now than I had in years. So that's when the light bulb went off and I'm like, I wonder if I did a same or similar intervention with somebody who didn't have back pain, would they start hitting the ball better? So long story short, the answer was yes, they started hitting the ball better. So that's when I was like, okay, we've got something here. Now we just got to figure out what is it that we have? So then I spent the next few years doing my own case studies in house saying, I'm going to do these interventions with these people. I'm going to do these pre-test measurements and what's the outcome going to be. And over the next couple of years, I whittled it down to some very specific and reproducible things that have to be done every single time in order to get essentially a reproducible swing using muscles and not momentum. And that's the most important part. And this is where we can talk back and forth the difference between a momentumous swing versus a muscle controlled swing. And that's essentially where we are today. Well, I don't know if, if this is where we're going, but like I've always heard and it's, it's kind of like maybe even cliche, you want to swing with the big muscles, right? You don't want to swing with the wrists. You don't want to swing with like the smaller ligaments. And I don't know if that feeds into what we're about to get into, but it's like, that's the age old saying, right? Swing with the big muscles. And, but as you think of it, if you're swinging with the big muscles, the back's a pretty big muscle too. So how do we swing with the big muscles without it really affecting our back? Um, oh, I love this. So a uh, little plug for myself. I actually wrote a book. It's called The Berman Method of Golf Performance. And this is one of the chapters in the book where it talks about the biomechanics. And essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to use your body the way it was meant to be used. So the upper back, your thoracic spine, your upper back is meant to rotate your lower back, your lumbar spine is not meant to rotate. It's meant to bend and extend. And then your hips, the next level down, they're meant to rotate and they can go in all sorts of directions because it's a ball and socket joint. So ultimately what happens is when golfers don't get the rotation from their thoracic spine and their hips, they ultimately get it from their lumbar spine and that's what leads to back pain. You know, fast forward to the end. That's what's going to lead to back pain. And ultimately, less distance, less consistency, because your back actually is not the strongest muscle in your body. What is the strongest muscles in regards to the golf swing is your core. Most people would agree with that. And your right glute, if you're a right-handed golfer, a, your left glute, if you're a left-handed golfer. So if you focus specifically on getting your core and your right glute engaged and firing throughout the, specifically from address through the transition of the backswing to the downswing, 
you're going to be able to generate exponentially more power and virtually no stress on the low back into the golf swing. Those are some buzzwords that uh, every golfer likes, right? More power, less strength. That's uh, that sounds like too good to be true. It does, and that's really what come where it comes down to the difference between a momentum-based swing versus a muscle-based swing. And everybody that's listening to this can do this test, and it'll prove that you most likely have a momentum-based swing because 99% of the people that I've ever worked with in my whole entire career have a momentum-based swing. And this is what you do. You, you get somebody to hold your camera in front of you, so perpendicular across from the ball from you, switch the camera into slow-mo and do a swing. Then take that video and fast forward to the top of your backswing and take a screenshot of your position at the top of the backswing. Then the next thing you do is switch it from video to camera mode and you say, okay, now go to the top of your backswing and statically hold it. And then you just take a snapshot or take a picture of that position. Then compare the two pictures side by side. Nobody has ever been the same meaning that the swing in real time is always much further back in the back swing. You got the damn club wrapped around your neck, your left elbow's bent, and your hands are higher than the club head itself. But then when you look at the picture of where you're statically holding the position, it's usually 25% less into the back swing than your real back swing. So now where this makes sense for people, or it should make sense to people is, you can't physically hold that position that you got into in real time. So if you can't physically hold it, how are you doing it? You're doing it with momentum because there's only two ways on this planet. This is where I kind of get kind of geeky, but it's really going back to physics. And this is what really I think differentiates me from all the false golf profits that we're talking about on YouTube is I'm not talking about a technique that I invented. I'm talking about the laws of physics. Like these are laws, you know, that's not for question. If you can't hold that position, that means you don't have muscles that can hold that position in that range. But if you're doing it in real time, then you're using momentum to do it. And that's ultimately where error can occur. So to keep running with this thing a little bit longer, the analogy I like to use is a bicycle. Everybody can picture a bicycle with a chain and everybody can imagine what happens when the chain on the bicycle gets too loose and you start pedaling too fast down the hill. The, the bike or the chain on the bicycle comes off. That's the analogy of pain. That's back pain, shoulder pain, neck pain, golfer's elbow, because there's too much slop, too much slop in the system. And that's where error can occur because there's no muscles controlling that motion. So that makes a lot of sense to me, but to you guys on the outside listening in, did, was that layman's enough or do I need to explain more on it? I know for a fact, the listeners of this podcast are going to go and do that video versus picture drill and be so aggravated because originally they're going to think, ah, there's no way he's right. I'm, I'm there. I'm in the same spot. And then as they do the drill, as I've 
never done this drill, but can only imagine it's going to be very tough to replicate that video versus the picture. And, and I can put that like in layman's terms, that makes sense. Um, and, and the way you describe slop too, right? Like the slop in the swing, our joints are trying to make up for our elbows are trying to make up for our back is trying to make up for where we're not maybe strong enough at other places. So that makes sense to me too, Dante. And am I, Am I on board? Does that make sense? Oh, you're completely on board. It makes sense. I'm already thinking about where I'm going to do this uh, this photo drill just to compare to see where I'm at momentumly and, and statically. Yeah, that to me just, just like immediately was like, well, that makes it's, sense. And and that makes like, that's where I'm wrong. Like immediately I'm just starting to like know because I know my golf swing. I'm starting to pick, <laughs> pick apart where I'm just not strong enough and where I'm not uh, where I'm not maybe more efficient than I should be with, with muscle mass or whatever. So, so Jake, I think it makes sense. Cool. Just to not to beat a dead horse or anything. There's only X amount of ways that motion can occur in the body. You're either going to use muscles, joints, tendons, or ligaments. That's the only way you can really move anything in your body. And if you're not using muscles, what are you using? That's a question. Whew, putting my biology non-degree well, to gave you the, the test. I gave you the answer: joints, tendons, or ligaments. Right? Because there's only four well, we ways suck at tests. Get... So <laughs> there's only four ways you can get movement in the body, and it's by contracting a muscle that pulls on a tendon, a ligament. You know, gets some mobility or stabilizes stability at a joint, or a joint actually moves. So if you're not using muscles and you're in that slop range, the only way that you're moving right there is by utilizing ligaments, tendons, and joints. And those things are not meant to be broke down. Muscles are meant to break down. That's why you go to the gym. That's why you get sore. And then two days later, you're not sore anymore and you're stronger because muscles are meant to be broke down. But when you break down a tendon, ligament, or a joint, it doesn't recover in 48 hours. It might not even recover in six weeks. Sometimes it might even require surgery or sometimes it might require completely changing a golf swing or giving up golf altogether. So why would we ever want to use tendons, ligaments and joints to swing the club and not muscles? Yeah, I mean, it makes it makes a lot of sense and it makes it also like makes you think how do I improve? Right. Cause as I said, Dante and I were constantly back and forth since our California trip back in January of like, all right, I'm going to get back in the gym and I'm going to get back at it. Right. Like I'm going to get stronger. I want to add some distance, but I think a lot of people have the conversation we had of, well, what are you doing? Right. Like I, I texted Dante, well, what are you doing in the gym? And, and I, he would text me back while well, I'm doing this. What are you doing? And, and I think a lot of us rev, like resort back to the standard deadlift squats, Maybe bench. I don't know. I don't really bench too much, Dante, but I don't know if you do. It's, uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I do. And more dumbbell stuff. I kind of steered away from the actual barbell since the college days and high school days. Of, but it seems like to going off of what Dalton's saying is we revert back to almost the bodybuilding exercise Arnold esque workouts. <laughs> yeah and like pretty much that, what right? we did does that help or, or like are we completely missing the boat being in the gym 
like that. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, this this is a complicated answer here. So let me back up just a, a hair and say that the Berman method works phenomenally for golfers over the age of 60 that are struggling with distance. It works phenomenally with golfers under the age of 60 that are struggling with consistency. And the reason why it works differently for both is because the answer is the same. What's causing the loss of distance in the first place? It's because you're not using the right muscles. You're trying to arm swing. You're trying to flip at it. You're trying to swing as fast as you possibly can and generate as much speed as you possibly can with your arms, yet you're not using the big power muscles. And then under the age of 60, why are you losing consistency or why can you shoot a plus three on the front nine and then a, a horrible, horrific back nine? It's like, what just happened there? It's not even the same golfer. And the only way it can happen is because of using a momentum-based swing versus a muscle-based swing. And the reason why this is important is because when you use muscles, you're able to reproduce a swing consistently over and over again. That's where the term motor control comes in. So the analogy I use for this is if you're a right, if you're a righty, you've been writing with your right hand for your entire life, which means that you could probably be blindfolded and write an entire page worth of words and it would be legible. It might not be in perfect straight lines, but you could read it versus not being blindfolded if you put the pen in your left hand it would be a real chore to write one sentence with your left hand you've got the same exact muscles in both hands but what you don't have is the ability to control those muscles in the movement that it requires to be eloquently writing a sentence the same thing is true for the golf swing if you don't use your brain to train your muscles how to move efficiently during the golf swing, it doesn't matter if you're Justin Thomas there deadlifting 315 pounds or 92-year-old Bob that struggles getting out of the chair. It doesn't matter because you're not using your brain to control the muscles that you do have. So it doesn't matter if you gain more muscles or lose muscles. If you don't use the muscles you currently have the right way, then it's, it's irrelevant. So I say all that to come back full circle to kind of aggravate you guys a little bit because when I'm working with my 60 plus year old golfers, 70 year old, 75 year old golfers, it's not uncommon for us to gain 10 to 15 yards with a seven iron in the first two to four sessions. And the reason why that occurs is not because we're building muscle. It's just because we're able to recruit the muscles that they already have. They just were not utilizing. So now to translate that into the younger demographic, there's so many younger golfers, teenagers, 20s, 30s, that don't have any muscles, but they've got this great technique so they can lag the club, create the divot, and generate the club head speed, which gives them the distance and the ball speed. Excuse me, but the problem is it's not reproducible because they're not using muscles to do it. So to come back full, full circle to the original question, what exercises should you be doing? It really comes down to the annoying answer 
it's got to be a sport specific exercise, meaning that you could go do deadlifts till the cows come home and you could get your max up to 405 pounds and Brian to shampoo it. But it's not going to matter because you're not implementing it in a sport specific movement. So you've got to be able to translate that power into a triplanar movement, which the golf swing is, or it's completely irrelevant. That's interesting. So, so you're implying more rotational movements, more golf specific movements, right? Like if we're trying to make a swing that should replicate itself in the gym of some sort of medicine ball movement or some sort of maybe even band work that like places resistance in a golf motion. Yes, exactly. And we could, if you want, we could even go more fundamental or elementary than that. And here's another question that I ask so many people. If you had to rate zero to 10, where 10 is the most important and zero is not important at all, how would you guys rate the importance of balance in the golf swing? A 10. Oh, I think, it, I think it's a 10. 11. 11.5. <laughs> yes. Now, here's my next test to both of you guys. When's the last time you stood on one foot? I think the other day I almost fell over. <laughs> my I house is a little crooked, question. though. I've never done that on purpose in a long time. <laughs> I'm trying to put one boot on while I'm standing, getting the other way, and I'm almost tipping over. <laughs> so we, you guys know how important balance is, and I don't know any other more uh, explicit or fundamental test to measure how good your balance is than standing on one leg. Yet we don't do it. We're, th we're fixated on what ESPN, the 360 shows or the swing. What's the new one on Netflix is saying full swing, oh, full swing, <laughs> full swing. And you know, let's do some deadlifts and let's do some bench press. What about standing on one leg while you're brushing your teeth? You're supposed to brush your teeth at least twice a day for at least two minutes at a time. So why not stand on one leg for 60 seconds and then stand on the other leg for 60 seconds? So we're multitasking. There's your balance, Jake, right? Because Jake, right now, that would be a disaster. I'd poke myself in the mouth. I'd be all over the place. That's why. That's why not to do that. <laughs> I love it. It's it's not a strength, so I'm going to steer away from it and go to something that is a strength. What ultimately happens is it makes your weaknesses that much more weaker because if you can't do it in your 30s, what's it going to be like when you're in your 60s? Yeah, we Dante and I had that conversation, I think, uh, when we were out in California too. Both of our dads made the trip with us. And and Dante's dad's in his 70s and mine's in his early 60s. And, um, and you know, it just like brought the conversation of like, man, it's like both of our dads are, are semi-fit, but like how do we stay fit for that long, right? Like how do we make sure that what we're doing now translates into the next 30 years of our lives and we're at that point when we're 65 70 and i think that's a that's a great conversation to have it's like how do you build that foundation and if you don't man is it going to be tough to build it then and instead of building it now i love it absolutely love it so this is actually from the physical therapy side of the business well it started out with physical therapy berman physical therapy and then that led to the evolution of berman golf however when i was in the pt business I came up with Jake Berman's four keys to success for lifelong longevity. 
That's that's marketing one hundred and one, right? That's there. awesome. <laughs> so it comes down to these four things, and the way I came up with these four things was I was occasionally running into patients that were coming to me that were in their late eighties or early nineties that just blew me away. Where it's like, how are you? you look like you're in your 60s at the oldest, maybe even 50s. You just are moving around. You're just, you look young as hell. There's no way you're 89 years old. And they have these four things in common. Well, they had three things in common. I added a fourth one. Number one, they all could, in a standing position, bend over and touch their toes. Number two, they could all stand on one leg for 60 seconds, both legs, you know, stand on the left leg for 60 seconds, stand on the right leg for 60 seconds. Number three, they all could do a very good deep squat and get back up without any help. And then the fourth one is the one that I added. They all, or you need to be able to get down on the ground and get back up again without using your hands. If you can do all four of those things, it's highly unlikely that you're going to lose or significantly lose your quality of life, your ability to move, your ability to uh, be confident walking over uneven terrain. I mean, so often I run into clients that are in their 70s and 80s that if they hit it into a bunker, screw it, I'm leaving that ball. I'm not going in there because I don't know that I'd be able to get out. And you know, what's, what kind of quality of life is that to not have the confidence to be able to get your ass in the bunker, hit it and get back out, rake it up and get back out. You know, it's things like that where they think that so many people think that you just wake up one day and you're old. It doesn't happen like that. It happens in your thirties and your forties because you quit doing the stuff that you were doing as a kid. And then even into your teenage years, you just quit doing it. You just said it. When's the last time you stood on one leg on purpose and worked on it versus when you're a kid, you're doing it all the time. You're walking down a curve, trying to balance on it. You know, you just don't do these things anymore. So you start getting old in your thirties and forties and it just presents itself in your seventies when you're like, Oh shit, I can't get off the ground. Well, wow. Dalt looks like we got to start standing on one leg. Yep, I'll be brushing my teeth. I'll send you a video, Dante. One leg, one leg teeth brushing tonight. Two minutes at a time. No, nah, but it, it makes a it makes a lot of sense because uh, going back to what you were saying, like my my um, my grandfather, you know, he passed away about like I guess to say over ten years ago, and he always said he goes. And this was the time, like in high school and like early college, you know, I started getting really heavily into the gym and he, he grew up, was very active, was young, was in the Navy, then ended up, you know, doing carpentry work and always staying busy. And then as he got older, I guess you can say in his thirties into his forties, he kind of just stopped doing everything that he, like you said, growing up, just being absolutely complete active to the point where he looked at me, he goes, whatever you do, don't stop lifting and don't stop doing whatever you're doing. Cause it's going to bite you in the ass down the road. And I, I mean, I completely agree with you there, Jake, because from what you're saying, from what he taught me, it's like, now's the time to, this is like you said, this is the, this is the time where do you want to stay young forever? Or do you want to get old? 
and I don't want to get old. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> but I want to I want to be with like some of the guys that I do play with on the golf course that are in their late 60s, early 70s, and they're out walking 18 holes. No problem. And that's where I want to be with my game. Obviously, I still want to be competitive and constantly, you know, Dalton and I go back and forth in regards to, you know, swing changes, fitness and all that. But at the end of the day, like, you know, this game is a longevity game. So I don't want to be able to go out there and be like, oh, I'm struggling. I can only play three, four, five, six holes and then call the day. I want to be able to out, go out there, walk 18 holes, have a beer afterwards, do it again the next day. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you, man. And it's funny, like, Jake, you talk about the ability to just do these like four key things. And when you set them individually, I'm like, well, like individually not being packaged all together, each one seems so like simple. Like, yeah, I could do that. And like, yeah, I could do that. And and you don't realize that like if you stop doing those things, you you won't have the ability in 20 years from now to to even think about doing those things, right? Like it's, it's agony if you have to do one of those things, if you can't do it or haven't done it for 20 some years. So um, it puts into perspective of like, man, why, why we should kind of, and as you touched on too, which I think is perfect, keep playing like a kid, right? Like keep playing like a kid and have that, you know, jovialness and how we approach life. Cause that'll save us. You're absolutely right. And it's funny you say play like a kid or live like a kid, because my first kid is going to be three in April. And I randomly will say to my wife, we really should do the two-year-old challenge sometime. And I don't know if this really exists. If it doesn't exist, it should exist where my idea of the two-year-old challenge is do every single movement that a two-year-old does and try to do it for 20 minutes and see if you can. I mean, they're just bouncing off the walls. They're up, down, they're getting up from a squatted position where they're sitting on their butts and just on the ground and just standing straight up. It's just, it makes you tired just watching them move. But at the same time, if you try to at least do the movements, it doesn't have to be as fast as them, it will expose it. Another one is sitting down on the ground and trying to sit back on your heels. There's so many 40 year olds that that would kill their knees. Like their knees would feel like they're about to explode. Yet you see a kid do it and they just pop down and there's no issues at all. The thing that we have to remember is that just because it's crazy tight or agonizing to do today doesn't mean that you can't work towards doing it. It might take six months, nine months, 12 months, but I always rebuttal that with saying, do you plan on dying next year? Because if you don't plan on dying in the next year, don't you want to be better a year from today than you are right now? And I say that straight up to my 90 and 92 year old golfers. I'm like, do you plan on dying next year? And they always say the same thing. No. I'm like, well, why don't you plan on being better a year from today than you are right now? And that always sparks. It's like, I'm never too old to start working on this stuff. I love that. I love that 110%. That we're going we're going to end on that because I think that's just a message to to take home and let settle. Um Jake, obviously you've got bermangolf.com and you've got the Berman Method book. You've also got a podcast which, you know, more than happy to send the listeners over there and and learn how to hit the long ball and stay consistent. Um where else can folks find you and what's the best way to really just kind of tune into to your everyday uh you know philosophies? You know, I've been busting the 
busting the balls of the false golf profits on YouTube, but that's another one for me, the YouTube page, <laughs> TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, pretty much all the socials. We're all over everything. I'm trying to be as in, as in many places as I can. And I'm not, I try not to sugarcoat anything. I call it as I see it. And I strongly encourage people to call me out. I love the bantering back and forth because I'm going to rebuttal with physics. I'm not going to rebuttal with technique. I don't care about what your golf coach said. I don't care what about what the golf channel said or the golf magazine. I don't care about those things. I care about the laws of physics. And if you want to hit the ball farther and more consistently and to be able to play more frequently, you got to do it with muscles. And if the first thing doesn't work, meaning the top of your backswing in real time versus the top of your backswing, just statically holding it, you're not going to be able to do it. I don't care how good you are. You can be a plus golfer or I don't care. You're not going to be able to do it. Hmm. I love it. Well, one last thing before we, we wrap up here, uh, you're a fan of Squares Golf. Dante's not wholeheartedly sold like I am. So I want you to weigh in on, on why Squares and, and what does it provide? What does it provide Ouch. for the folks? Damn. Okay, I love this. Absolutely love this. So in my, my office, my PT office, we're all barefoot. I've got a it, my arch nemesis are shoes. I absolutely hate shoes. And the first book that I wrote, treating problems, not symptoms is geared towards physical therapy and physical health. And I have a whole chapter in there about the epidemic that shoes are creating because shoes are essentially a cast on your foot. You have over a hundred muscles, ligaments, and tendons in the foot. And when you put it into a shoe and you lace it up, you don't allow those uh, structures to move freely specifically in the arch of your foot, just the arch of your foot alone, you have 16 muscles. So there's four layers of four muscles just in the arch of your foot. And those 16 muscles are supposed to be giving you stability, it's supposed to be supporting your arch. But when you lace your shoe, your foot up in this supportive shoe and the toe box is all narrow and your feet, your toes can't even splay out, your foot can't work. If your foot can't work, you can't have balance. You said balance is important. So that's when I found squares. Or I heard about squares. Actually, one of my uh, golfers, one of my clients, an 82-year-old golfer came in wearing them. And I'm going, what the hell is that on your foot? What is that? They're horrendous, but I love them. And he goes, they're squares. I'm like, I've never heard of it, but tell me more. I love this boxy toe box. He goes, yeah, and tells me the story about it. I'm like, oh, I got to know more. So uh, one of my marketing guys reached out to Squares and says, hey, this is who we are. We'd love to do a uh, comparison on it. So I do a bunch of objective tests and measures to look at your body's ability to produce strength and balance. And we went through about five different pairs of shoes, five different brands of golf shoes, and Squares was the one that came out on top. And one of the reasons, in my opinion, is because of the ugly boxy toe box, your foot, your toes are able to splay out. So, of course, they just happen to make my whole life better because they've got these uh, special edition John Daly shoes. <laughs> 
So I don't know if you could even see them anymore on the website, but for a limited time, they had these special edition John Daly shoes where it says redneck and it's red, white, and blue American shoe colors. And I'm like, hell yeah. And Squares sent me a pair of those. And I'm like, yeah. So that's my story on Squares. I love awesome. it. Now we uh we've had always a great relationship with Rob, their founder, and when when I saw them on your on your Instagram, I was like, man, I gotta ask him just because we love them, we love the brand, we love what they do. I've since since wearing my first pair, I kind of exclusively wear squares if I'm not just like chipping around or playing around. Like tournament golf is squares golf for me, so uh, I love that. That's awesome. It's 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 fun to see like other industries where it's like your side of things with like physical therapy and like the physical side of golf proving why things like that work and what the, like the science is behind it too. There's always the fun part of that from a consumer side of just like, Hey, he's in a completely different lens than I am. And he's, he's proven some, some of the good things about him too. <laughs> nice. Well, I love it guys. That is Jake Berman from Berman golf. Uh, excited to dive in more Jake to what you have going on as it's just really fun to see, um, not only helping older golfers, but helping younger golfers tap into, uh, unharnessed potential. So guys, you can go to BermanGolf.com to check out more of what Jake has got going on. And as always, you can go to www.wonderfulwalksandgolf.com to check out the latest podcast releases from us, the latest blogs and the latest merch drops, including our our new YouTube channel where we've got documentary coming out here in the coming weeks. So be on tune for that and subscribe on our website. So guys, as always get out there, enjoy the walk and until next time. Thanks Jake. Thank you guys.